0: That this is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they are the villains. And the opposite is America. Because America is now one big gay disco. Yes, yes, I am saying. That's not evil, being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil. One big gay disco. Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said, the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan mm. Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said I can't do it? One One game game disco. Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of it. For the gay disco. Don't, don't use those mm. kinds of slurs. You're on it. For the gay disco. What, uh, There are no slurs here. definitely our most requested guest uh dr e michael jones a man who needs no introduction i mean it is that's what they that's what they pay the rockefeller foundations to you're not supposed to know what i just told you they didn't know
1: about this
0: they didn't know what we know now is there
1: any argument you can use to wake
0: him up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life.
1: Well, you'd be jerking off every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. fight the people who
0: don't like disco. Maybe uh, you would. Too. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography.
2: Uh, Pete Buttigieg yes. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes.
0: Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? One big Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello. Welcome to another episode of EMJ Live on a fall day in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, momentous uh, events occurring uh, on the Internet. I'm talking specifically about the conflict between Elon Musk, now head of Twitter, or the owner of Twitter, and Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO of the um, Anti-Defamation League. Uh, This is a story that is momentous because it is a showdown that uh, was brewing for a long time, Uh, for a long time. We're familiar with the background here. Uh, Joe Breen, who was the man, the Catholic guy in Hollywood, who ended up uh, imposing the production code on the Jews in Hollywood Uh, after telling uh, in a private letter to a Jesuit uh, what these people were like, he concluded in saying after saying that he they were all sexually degenerates and all these jews think about jews of eastern european origin and all they think about is sex and money he concluded people like this should not have a monopoly on the film fair on what americans get to see when they go to a movie theater That is the same story now, except that it's not the movie theater, it's the internet. And now we have come to a point where there's a showdown uh, between two uh, powerful figures. On the one hand, uh, Elon Musk, who bought Twitter for what many people thought was uh, an outrageous price of $44 billion took it over and uh, at that point the jews according to his testimony which came out recently uh, started waging war on elon musk a powerful figure we found out just how powerful he was uh, today when it turns out that he told uh, the people who uh, the technicians in charge of starlink which he owns that satellite operation to shut down Starlink so that the United the NATO troops could not launch an attack on the Russian Navy. That just came out today. That's the type of man we're talking about. A man who has money now and who uh, after Keith Woods brought up the fact that uh, pretty much what Joe Breen said, that who gave these people the right to determine what we can say on the Internet. Elon Musk jumped into that story and said they've been trying to destroy me from the beginning. Uh, In subsequent tweets, uh, they meaning the ADL, uh, the subsequent tweets have said that basically he has lost about $22 billion in value, stock value, because uh, the ADL has intervened behind the scenes and persuaded uh, the top, the Fortune 500 crowd, not to advertise on Twitter. Uh, This is bigger than just two guy, two rich guys fighting over twenty two billion dollars. What we're talking about here is a new technology. Film motion pictures were a new technology at a certain point in the 20th century. And they spread it spread like wildfire across this country. And pretty soon you had people all over the country lining up at the theaters on Saturday night to be entertained by the Jews in Hollywood. Uh, The Jews exploited their position then by um, subjecting uh, the American people, the morals of the American people to an unprecedented assault, specifically sexual morals, promoting homosexuality, trying to get nudity into the screens. These are all pre-production, pre-production code films. If you look back, you'll see Hetty Lamarr swimming naked in some pool. Absolutely shocking for the people at the time. And they demanded that someone do something. The Protestants tried, they failed, and then the Catholics stepped up to the plate and basically put the lid, put, imposed a production code on the Jews in Hollywood. Something that lasted until 1965, 33 to 1965. That was a new technology. The Internet is the new technology of our age, first of all, with the computer and now computers linked to other computers in a way that allows people to communicate in a way that they had never done before. One of the crucial moments in the attempt to adjust to find a modus vivendi uh, with this new technology was the question of whether uh, they're going to have uh, obscenity, nudity, any of these things on the internet. That was solved uh, with the, the so called Communications Decency Act, which was 1992, during which uh, Bill Clinton uh, assured, uh, got a bill passed that allowed. Uh, pornography to be posted with impunity on the Internet. They didn't have to be that way. Bill Clinton was their man. We know about his sexual morals and so it comes as no surprise that he would want to do the bidding of the Jews on, on this in this area. As a result, the internet is turned, basically what you had at this point was the beginning of Jewish control of the internet because the Jews have always used pornography as a weapon against the majority, corrupting their morals as a way of uh, taking control of their minds. Uh, If you want the definitive story about that, I recommend my book, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. Hollywood fought against any type of control. They did two movies at that time, People vs. Larry Flint and Boogie Nights, both of them big Hollywood uh, propaganda films promoting uh, the the dissemination, widespread dissemination of pornography. And that was at that, uh, it became a fact at that point, and it only expanded over this period of time. That's the beachhead whereby the Jews established their... Put their foot in the door to establish what will end up being total control of the internet that is exactly what happened by 2019 when the adl launched its campaign against hate speech uh, a category of the mind that they created to basically silence any type of criticism whatsoever of their behavior anyone who dared to say the word jew in a way that they didn't like was automatically demonized as a anti-semite and uh i was one of the prime uh figures in that the adl quickly appointed me one of the top anti-semites in the country uh, a battle that we uh recently uh, fought and to some extent, one. What has my bad? What has my battle been? To a large extent, ever since I wrote the Jewish revolutionary spirit, it is to reformulate the narrative. The narrative up to this point was uh, racism, white supremacism. These are the people that uh, are criticizing Jews. We saw this in St. Louis when that uh, Muslim Umar Lee said there were white supremacists at the statue, and when it turns out that all the white supremacists were uh, praying the rosary, not something they do normally. This is another word for identity theft. The Jews were involved in stealing the identity of the American people and imposing labels on anyone that they did not like, anyone who did not go along with the Jewish program of total control of thought on the internet was demonized as a anti-Semite white supremacists. You know all, all the cuss words that get applied to these people. And that uh, led to me being banned on Twitter. Uh, at that point, uh, it was created by a Catholic, uh, a hapless Catholic from St. Louis by the name of Jack Dorsey. Uh, And uh, they weren't going to let him stand in the way of their total control. And he basically capitulated and eventually had to sell out. Uh, But basically what that meant was that uh, they could come in. uh, The Jew had a right. You let them in with pornography and they will take over your entire culture. And they will then have the power to destroy you. And that's exactly what started to happen. Early incident was a guy, a Swede by the name of PewDiePie who used to do videos of or, or a podcast of him testing video games. He was the number one guy on the internet. And he announced that uh, he was so grateful for that position, he was going to give a $50,000 contribution to the ADL. At that point, it blew up. He didn't know. He stepped on a landmine. He didn't know. He was just some dumb Swede who thought it was a civil rights organization that fights hate speech. That's what Rolling Stone just called it must be true if rolling stone said it blew up and all the people started attacking him what are you crazy giving the adl money they're the first people they were going to get you deplatformed, and then they went after pewdiepie even though he went along with them because he rescinded that fifty thousand dollar contribution this is the type of terrorism that we have become accustomed to on the internet the jews want total control over what you think and what you say and if you don't go along with them they will destroy you you will be deplatformed you will not be able to do transactions on the internet they had total control and what happened was this huge volcano of resentment against the adl and the jews started to build it was only a matter of time before it exploded. And that's what happened last week when Elon Musk jumped into the, uh, what Keith Wood started and started saying, uh, they tried to destroy me. This is big. This is a man that has 140 million followers. This is a man who can stop the NATO attack on the Russian fleet. This is not some poor schmuck from South Bend, Indiana. Okay. And he, so now uh, we've got this standoff. This is a crucial moment in American history. What happens generally is that a new technology will come along and you've got a constitution that was written in 1781 that is now going to have to adjudicate something that couldn't they couldn't have conceived of. Well, that's what happened with the railroads. Are they a utility? Are they a private? enterprise thing and then we had this obsolete ideology known as libertarianism which is like uh the uh, the uh economic equivalent of uh, two legs bad four legs good where any government entity is bad and any private entity is good well is google a public entity or is it a private entity What's the relationship between Google, the FBI, the CIA, the ADL? Uh, There is no firm barrier between private and the actors in the private sphere and actors in the public sphere. Because what has happened over this time is the actors in the private sphere are now more powerful than government. Ask the Irish what happened to them at the hands of Google. Ask the Irish if they have a constitution that guarantees them rights. No, they don't because they have a private actor now and the government is subservient to this private actor. Ask Americans what happened to the Congress of the most powerful nation on earth when Benjamin Netanyahu shows up to give a speech. 27 standing ovations. Is that because he's the next Demosthenes, the most powerful public speaker in the world the world has ever known? no it's because ipac is sitting there and they have people looking at every single congressman and if you don't jump up and cheer mr congressman we're going to drive you out of your office because we have money that will fund your candidate and that was disgusting enough that these these people debased themselves there before this foreign potentate and then it was exceeded recently when the president of israel showed up and he got 30 standing ovations the next jew who shows up uh, they won't even be able to sit down it will be one constant standing ovation because if they don't do that ipac will drive them out of office ask cynthia mckinney what happened to her she was elected by the people of georgia walked into her office new office before she had sworn the oath uh uh, 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 making her a government official and the fax machine churns out the IPAC, ipac pledge sign this before you swear you're sworn in this is the reality of the situation the jews have total control over our government and total control over our culture and suddenly one man stood up and said they've gone too far and as soon as elon musk said that uh The hashtag ban the ADL immediately became the number one trending item on Twitter. Hundreds of thousands of people, it was that volcano suddenly erupted. That volcano of resentment that these people, these people from New York City, this tiny minority of 2% of the population now have total control over what we're allowed to say on the internet. Any American who doesn't find that outrageous should go someplace else because you basically have given up your country. So the question is, do we have a government? I know lots of people collect a paycheck, uh, at the government trough, but do we have a government that actually represents the people of the United States of America? This is the issue. No matter what Jonathan Greenblack says, this is the issue. Now, how do I know that? Well, what happened immediately after this thing happened? The, the guy who uh, showed up here on the chat box, Handsome Truths got an organization called the Goyim Defense League. And during that conversation, I said, well, wait a minute. Aren't you the guy who's responsible for hate crimes legislation? Uh, And he had to admit that he was. The, The draconian hate crimes legislation that the legislature in Florida passed and that Ron DeSantis flew to Israel to sign was largely a result of this guy and his goyim defense league so all right i'll give the guy the benefit of the doubt maybe he's just misguided blah 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 no the shadow the, the 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 uh the second the shadow of the doubt has been removed so at the very moment that Elon Musk and a lot of people are trying to say they have gone too far. You cannot allow these people to totally determine discourse. This is just normal people saying this. What does the Goyim Defense League, they get a bunch of Nazis together on a bridge in Florida, giving the Hitler salute with Nazi emblems, a lot of them wearing masks. Laura Loomer said they were all feds. Okay, if he's not getting money, if Handsome Truth is not getting money from the ADL for doing this, then he's an idiot. He just don't know what he's doing. Uh, This is exactly the message that the ADL wanted to convey, that anyone who objects to their total control of the Internet is a white supremacist and a Nazi. Uh, You know what I think about white supremacy and Nazism. The ADL just had to back down when they tried to frame me as a racist. They knew it wasn't true. They tried to frame me, and now uh, they had to back down. This is the moment where the people of the United States have to rise up against this cabal that is trying to destroy the American Constitution, to destroy the First Amendment, to take total control over everyone in the United States and to enslave them. That's why it's important. That's why we need to talk about it. Let's hear what you have to say.
3: All right. Hello, everybody. Once again, this is Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones assistant. Uh, this is a section of the show where we do call ins. Uh, call ins are made via our Telegram channel. Link is in the description for anyone who is not on the Telegram. Uh, and then later in the stream, we'll read off questions uh, from the various chats from the various platforms. Quick rules. I always have to give these because some people forget. Uh, try to keep on one subject. Uh, try to keep to one question. Be respectful of time and do not forget to unmute yourself. That's the most important one all right time for me to jump over to telegram and start picking people ah let's go to uh andrew torba here uh go ahead andrew
2: hey dr jones how are you
0: good andrew good to hear from you
2: yeah thank you so much for for all your work i think you know we've reached sort of a a pivotal moment here you and i and many others have been fighting this good fight against the adl for a number of years now Um, You know, they've come after me, they've come after Gab, they've come after you. After January 6th, they lobbied the Department of Justice to investigate me and to investigate Gab, um, along with the New York Times in tandem publishing and uh, placing blame for January 6th on Gab, which is, of course, ridiculous. I wasn't even at the rally. I had nothing to do with the rally. And so, you know, we see them coming after us. I just highlighted this uh, on X and and on Gab, uh, that they not only control and influence and have tremendous influence over X and over Elon, uh, but also over Google. Um, So this whole strategy of freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach, which is akin to, you know, you being able to say whatever you want when you're in the jail cell, looking at the corner of the wall, that's basically what that means. It's just another word for censorship. Uh, that, that whole brainchild of that is Jonathan Greenblatt at the ADL. He, he's been parroting this freedom of speech but not freedom of reach uh, strategy for a number of years now. Elon spends $44 billion acquiring Twitter and then immediately implements this strategy, you know, which is right off the back of, of the mind of, of Jonathan Greenblatt at the ADL. But I had I pointed out that they, it's not only Twitter, you know, and they openly sort of brag and post about this, about how much power they have over all of these platforms. And Google is a big one. So for example, you search my name, you search your name, and what comes up the top? Well, in, in my case, uh, an ad from, um, from the ADL with their smear article on me is the first result. And then the second result, which is supposed to be organic, is the same exact article from the ADL. Uh, and, and so you know, the amount of influence that they have, not only over, over uh, Facebook, YouTube, X, et cetera, but also, also search with Google, is just tremendous and can't be overstated. And I think, um, you know, it's a testament to the work that you've done over the years, fighting back against them and calling this stuff out, the stuff that I've been dealing with for years and many others. It sort of finally has has reached the headwind here. But I guess my question to you would be, you know, where do we go from here? It seems like a lot of people are now aware of the situation. So what is what are some sort of proactive next steps that we can take um, to get more people aware and to, you know, basically, stop them from having this much power over our discourse and over our country?
0: Yeah, we have to. We, first of all, uh, and you've, you've done a good job at this, we cannot be victims of identity theft. We cannot allow them to tell us who we are. And I think that uh, both, both you and I have done uh, what exact opposite of what they want us to do, uh, because we've asserted some type of Christian identity here. And we're saying, you know, you have no right to determine my religion. You know, who are you to tell me what I'm allowed to believe? And they don't know what to do about that. I told you, I mentioned before that, uh, they tried to pin the race thing on me and it blew up in their face. Uh, that's, that's the first thing that we have to do. And that's why, uh, people like the Goyim defensively, ju- they do, uh, they're doing exactly what the ADL wants. So, I mean, that's, that's the first thing. The other thing is uh, This is—it's it, got to come to a lawsuit. Now I—I I know I read your—I read your article, and it, it's kind of pessimistic. I mean, you're basically saying that—that that, uh, he just doesn't have a chance. Isn't that what you're saying? I mean, you're saying that basically uh, they can get Google to to deplatform him uh, that quickly, and and he can't do it. I mean, is that did I read that correctly?
2: Well, so here's the thing. Yeah, I I think a lot of people fundamentally misunderstand just how much control and influence that they have. And and I lived it. And that's, it wasn't meant to be pessimistic. It was meant to be realistic. Um, And so the the realistic reality of of the situation is that uh, X depends on a number of third party services. They depend on um, you know, advertising revenue to the tune of billions of dollars, which has already been impacted. Elon said that their, their revenue is down 60% since the ADL started their their campaign of, of boycotts against him, which happened as soon as he took uh, control of the platform is when they, they launched that campaign. And so it's, it's not impossible for him to do it, but it's going to be tremendously difficult, and he's going to face tremendous consequences and tremendous hurdles uh, in order to get there. I don't know if he's willing to go through and can survive uh, the attacks that they're about to bring on him, and and that that was my point as well. Is that he, he may as well, you know, wage war on them, and he has to go sort of all in. Um, what think, we've seen from Elon is that. Go ahead. Sorry. No,
0: I think you're right. I think that that's why he has to file that lawsuit. He can't talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to file that lawsuit. And believe me, I know the ADL has got a lot of money. But when you're talking $22 billion in damages, which I think he could prove easily that that's real money that would put a real dent in what they're doing. But it would send a message out to people like you and me and saying, well, maybe we do have a constitution, maybe we do have a legal system that uh uh, functions according to principles and maybe if you violate the principles you can't get away with it that is not the legal that is not the justice department now Okay? You got people in charge who cannot represent the American people. Merrick Garland is constitutionally incapable of representing anyone but his fellow Jews. And when he tries to uh, enforce things uh, like uh, uh, Jewish prohibitions against uh, criticizing abortion, you know that this place is being weaponized. But the point is that I don't think he can, I don't think Musk can back down now. I think absolutely. Well, even
2: if he does. It's like even if he does, they're still going to wage total war on him. So he may as well, you know, wage total war against them as well. Because if not, they're, they're going to do everything they can. As I, as I mentioned in my piece on this, you know, they're not going to only come after X. They're going to come after SpaceX. They're going to come after Tesla. They're going to come after all of his other businesses and, and properties. It's personal to them now because what what he's allowed to happen with this ban the ADL movement is now, you know, tens of millions of people are now uh, being exposed to this for the first time. Many of these people have never even heard of the ADL. You know, to us, it's sort of, uh, we take it for granted because, you know, we've been dealing with them for a number of years. We've been talking about these things for a number of years. But there's a lot of normal people out there who are hearing about the ADL and the amount of power that they have for the first time. And the ADL does not like that. And and so they're going to wage total war on him. And so he has to do it back.
0: Suppose suppose we have a referendum tomorrow. Do you think the A.D.L. should have total power to wreck your life? How do you think that would go? And this this is in <laughs> a, this is in effect what what this has done by by him joining this fight. He has put that proposition before the American people with 140 million followers. Now that that's serious. But the the one the other one thing I wanted to ask you about was what do you think about this Starlink story? What what is what do you yeah, think? Th- how do you I, interpret I, that? I. I
2: I'm not sure what to make of that. I, I mean, again, this is another attack vector for them, right, is now we're going to start seeing stuff like this drop, you know, uh, into the press and, and leak to the press, you know, coincidentally. Um, they are, they've. I, I believe that they're already starting their sort of all-out war on him to attack him. We, we've seen the, the DOJ uh, come after, I think it was SpaceX uh, a week and a half ago, right before this whole, you know, meeting with Jonathan Greenblatt and Linda, the CEO of X, happened. Uh, that, that DOJ announcement was dropped that they're suing, uh, uh, I think it's SpaceX for refusing to hire, uh, you know, migrants or or refugees or something like this. And
0: they refuse to hire Martians. (laughs) So, go go ahead. ahead.
2: So, so yeah, I mean, again, as I, as I said, it's going to be all at war and it's not just going to be against X. It's going to be against all of his companies, whether it be Starlink or SpaceX or Tesla, um, so, you know, he better fight back. He can't sort of put one foot in and one foot out and sort of, you know, tip, tip, dip his toes into the Rubicon and then kind of step back on shore. He's got to go full through that ocean and he's got to, he's got to really wage war on them now. And I think he has us, you know, the people on his side with this, with this situation, especially those of us like me and you who have been dealing with this and have been uh, being persecuted by these people and by this organization for a number of years now, defaming our name, going after our businesses, yeah. going after our families. Uh, We're the loudest voices uh, of reason for him to point to um, as an example of being able to overcome, um, you know, their attacks.
0: Yeah. 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 Good. Anyway, I'll pass the mic off. Thank you for the time. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for thanks for calling.
3: All right. Thanks, Andrew. And let's let's just jump to another Andrew. Andrew Horvall, you're going to be next here. Let me unmute you. Go ahead, Andrew Horvall.
4: Can you hear me, sir? I can. Oh, good afternoon. Thanks for bringing this uh, discussion to the table. I'm glad that Andrew Torba is doing the same as I continually see him being defamed as an anti-Semite. Listen, I don't think even Ezekiel will be permitted to warn the wicked house of Israel today without being called an anti-Semite. Yet I read in my scheduled reading today in Ezekiel 33, 7, So thou, O son of man, I set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. So Ezekiel warned the house of Israel, the wicked antichrist house of Israel, because he feared being called an antichrist more than he feared being called such things as an anti-Semite. So the question is, are we going to fear god or fear these defaming and false accusing antichrists and if christians don't speak up i don't know who's going to do it do you agree
0: i agree and i, I think you framed the, the question correctly are we going to fear god Do we have, do we have some type of mandate from God to stand up to this type of thing? And if we do, uh, well, that's the end of the story. I mean, if we, this is a lady um, in Ohio, uh, worked for the right to life. And she said something, tweeted something like, Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no salvation without Jesus Christ. The Jewish congressman told her that was not permissible speech. So it's not just the adl you know (laughs) it's the it's part of that group's mentality now where they want total control and she said uh i can't deny christ i can't i mean we have a history of this once you frame it in religious terms it becomes really serious you know i can i can kind of walk out of the room pretending i'm not a white guy that's a label they put on you but i can't deny christ you know, because the people, no. the, the martyrs, no. the martyrs were faced with a similar situation. You know, you offer incense to the idol. It's not a big deal. Just go through it. And they had to refuse to do that. And they had to die rather than deny Christ. Because he said, if you deny me in front of men, I will deny you. Well, that's serious, Jonathan. That's really serious because you can't win that battle. You can't win it. And I think this is the way it's got, we got to proceed. We have to proceed. This is a religious battle. This is a battle between Catholics or Christians and Jews, the same battle that's been fought throughout history that began at the foot of the cross when the Jewish people called for his crucifixion. This is the this is the, the framework that we have to deal with. And if we stick with this framework, we're going to win. It's that simple. Thank you, sir. You're welcome.
3: All right. Uh, Thank you, Andrew. Let's go to someone who is not an Andrew. Uh, M.V., go ahead, M.V.
1: Dr. Jones, uh, I have to say one thing regarding Elon Musk. Um, You know, love or hate him, whatever you think about him, he has done more for my First Amendment rights and therefore my freedom than any amount of time I ever spent in uniform. Whatever I was supposed to be doing defending freedom, I certainly didn't see the results that he's doing right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he's and he's the man of the moment, you know, for all of his faults. uh, This history brings this confrontation together. You know, this is where the battle is joined and and uh, that's it. That's
1: it. One other thing I I recently I just got your uh, culture wars article. I read the article about um, Sam Pizar pretty thorough and that makes really a good connection between Tony Blinken and what's going on in Ukraine. And I thought it was very re- revealing the story about Sam Pizar escaping the concentration camp and the, the holes in the story that you pointed out. There's one I think you might have missed, and it's actually in Anthony Blinken's quote on uh, AtlanticCouncil.org, where he says uh, the, the tank stopped, an African American soldier popped out, saw the kid by the side of the road, reached down, lifted him up into the tank, and as Tony put it, into America. And I don't know if he knows anything about armor, but there's not a lot of room in those tanks. And m Sherman had a five-man crew. It's not like he got passenger seats in there. So where did he put the kid? You know, it didn't make any sense.
0: It doesn't make any sense, and it didn't happen. And the fact of the matter is that uh, Anthony Blinken was a fool for doing it. Do you think that you're not going to get caught when you make up these stories? Uh, This story, they tried to do this story, as I pointed out in the article. This is the latest uh, issue of Culture Wars magazine. The article uh, is entitled, Anthony Blinken is a Holocaust Liar. And they tried this story in 1992. Uh, NPR did a documentary called Liberators. Liberators. And it was just this touching story, same story. It just wasn't uh, Mr. Pizar, it was the entire concentration camp at Dachau and these black tank p- p- battalion rolls up and it's just a heartwarming story that wants to bring black people and Jewish people together. Well, wait a minute, that's the whole point of the story. It was a reaction to the Crown Heights riots, which is basically when the Jewish Messiah by the name of uh, Schneerson, his motorcade doesn't stop uh, traffic lights in brooklyn they go right through them because this is the messiah so get out of the way he killed two children big riots and there's all of this trouble now between blacks and jews i know we'll make up a story about the black tank battalion well it blew up in their face then and who does anthony blinken think he is do you think we're that stupid that you're going to (laughs) resurrect the story with your stepfather no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And if you go read the article, you'll, you'll see the trajectory. This is where Pizar said he was. This is where the tank battalion was because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a history of the tank battalion, 761st, with a detailed uh, uh, chronology of where and when they were at a particular time. And they never, they never crossed paths. So now let's, let's talk about the big picture here. Am I guilty of Holocaust denial? If I say that blank that Samuel Pizar was never near a, a black tank battalion in his entire life, is that Holocaust denial? Well, wait a minute. Do we have to? If if we're going to have a law that says it's illegal to be to involve in yourself in Holocaust denial, to perpetrate Holocaust denial, which is the case in Europe now then we have to have a law about holocaust lying because what you're denying how can you go be punished for denying something that never happened and of course the book the holocaust narrative this is the first chapter in the holocaust narrative book it will be out soon we're getting copies soon okay and this story this is the story of how this thing came about and how you ended up uh in a situation where uh jonathan greenblack could ruin your life that is intimately connected with this narrative they never could have gotten to that position without the holocaust narrative and now it's time to examine the foundation of their power
1: well it's an excellent issue thank you very much dr jones
0: thank you thank you all right thanks for that
3: question there let's go next to quentin heisler go ahead quentin
4: hi dr jones how are you good so I've noticed in mainstream media, perhaps, a preemptive strike. They can sense the pot about to boil over. And they've been really um, attacking L. Brent Bozell Jr. quite a bit. And there's been linking things because I know his grandson was got arrested for something with January 6th. And they, even political, ran something rather histrionic about, oh, you can blame L. Brent Bozell Jr. for the, the Dobbs decision. What's your thoughts on his legacy and the Triumph you know, magazine, the Catholic Integralism? Where did it go wrong?
0: Where was it ineffective, et cetera, et cetera? That's a good question. You're bringing up the, the whole story of uh, Triumph magazine. So when I was just getting started uh, as the editor of Fidelity, I was in Washington attending a conference and there's Brent Bozell, the father of the junior. Uh, there was his wife, He's, he married into the Buckley family, uh, married uh, Bill Buckley's sister, uh, and there came to a parting of the ways because uh, he saw a difference between conservatism and Catholicism, and he wanted uh, Catholicism, chose Catholicism over conservatism. At that point, he got involved in uh, politics, and as I understand it, he, he became uh, intimately or wanted to become involved with the Carlist in Spain. And at that point, uh, I, I don't know what ha- I don't know the details. I know that there was problems. He, I think he had mental problems at the same time. Probably caused by the by all the stress. I don't know. Uh, I know that uh, there are people who were wanted this thing to continue, but it didn't continue. Uh, and at this point, Brent Bozell is an old man and I'm a young man. And Brent came up to me and he said, I think that uh, Fidelity magazine is a successor to Triumph. Now, that was a time, you know, I'm a young guy just getting started. This was really powerful. It uh, meant a lot to me when he said that to me. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm I'm grateful for him saying that. And and maybe uh, maybe we uh, we learned uh, some things that that uh, he didn't learn. I mean, he was ready to put on the Red Beret. They were one of the first groups that were going to storm uh, the abortion clinics. He was way ahead of his time in that regard, because this was way ahead of Operation Rescue. Uh, it, it, it didn't work. It wasn't prudent uh, to, to make to make those steps. The time wasn't ripe, primarily because we didn't have a narrative. What did we know? What do, I'll tell you what we didn't know at that time. <laughs> Go through the catalog of my books because I've spent my entire adult life trying to give us the true history of what happened to us and the true philosophical principles that have to underline this movement. And so now uh, I think we're in a much better position th- th- than we were then. I think that there was th- the, uh, the son, I, I never met the son, so I, I don't know. I know he's... He's uh, done work, he's uh, kind of working out of Washington. I don't think we have, we have the vocabulary because we've been talking this way for a long time now. I think I've done something to provide the vocabulary that we need to address these issues by writing books like The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. No one could touch that issue before that book. And it took me about 13 years of uh, wandering in the wilderness before Elon Musk, in effect, took the vocabulary and applied it to a real-world situation, but now that it's there, uh, now I think we can. Now I think we can press forward. But it wasn't there then; it just was not there. Uh, he couldn't. He understood that there was something different about what he was doing than conservatism. Even though his brother-in-law was the the chief uh, honcho when it came to conservatism, he knew it was different. But there had to be a lot of basically scholarship before we understood where we were how we got here before the narrative firmed up but i think it's firmed up now and i think we're ready to move forward thank you so much you're welcome
3: all right let's do like uh, one or two more and then we're going to uh, jump to the chats to answer your question that way all right let's go eta 2000 Uh, go ahead And don't forget to unmute. Are you there, ETA 2000?
0: Can you hear me now? I can. can.
3: Perfect. Thanks, Dr. Jones, for taking my call. And thank you for all of the work you do. I think you're really fascinating to listen to all your work. Um, I'm just curious if you could just summarize your position on the um, actual existence of the Holocaust. I get a lot of smatterings on things. And I've been doing some reading lately, and I'm cu- where people, some people are saying, you know, the people who were killed are stated were killed were killed, regardless of narrative issues, and other uh, people uh, look, saying uh, that like it's really uh, a lie. I'm curious what your view,
2: what uh, your what uh, your uh, official I, view is I, like on your take on it. Yeah,
0: I can't summarize a six hundred ten page book in a, you know a two minute uh, podcast here, but I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one example that's in the book. Uh, Eisenhower shows up at a camp called Ordruf. Nobody knows about this anymore. It's not even mentioned in the uh, the definitive history of uh, of the of the Holocaust. Uh, and when he gets there, there are dead bodies all over the ground. Okay, that's a category of reality. There were dead bodies there. Okay. I could say the same thing about uh, Bergen-Belsen which is an even more uh, powerful example of basically trenches full of dead bodies yes they were dead bodies there's no question about that but what happened uh, when Eisenhower showed up Eisenhower need to use this reality to basically justify what he had done during the war and that included war crimes uh, the, the whole story of the Rheinwiesenlager lager which we go into in this book, uh, the whole story of saturation bombing, the bombing of Dresden, the whole strategy of air, the air war was a war crime. And he said uh, immediately, I need to bring the congressman in here. I need to bring the New York Times in here so that the American soldier will know what he's fighting for. That's a direct quote. And so what they had was now a category of the mind, which has now come to be known as the Holocaust. Uh, That was not the word, that didn't exist at that point uh, to describe this, that gets imposed on this category of reality, and now it gives meaning to it. And the meaning is basically a justification of the actions of the American empire. That's what it was, that's what it became to serve that's what the, the, the propaganda films were about. And then uh, the rest is the, the description of that narrative. So in order to understand it, you have to understand the difference between categories of the mind and categories of reality.
2: Thank
3: you, Dr. Jones. Really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. All right, let's do uh,
3: one more quick one here. Um, let's see. Nap Nap nappy Nipper.
2: Go ahead. Hello. uh, Thank you, Dr. Jones and Mr. Torba for your bravery on this topic. Um, I have a question about whether it's possible to um, push through any sort of bills or laws that might uh, require politicians or high-ranking government officials to disclose whether they're dual citizens and eventually ban dual citizens from working in the American government is this something that you think would be possible and how would you go about it?
0: That's, first of all, uh, at this point, I don't think it's possible, Uh, but maybe after uh, Elon Musk wins his lawsuit and gets $22 billion from the ADL, and we have reached a point where the Supreme Court has resubstantiated the fact that we have a First Amendment, then it might be possible. But we have to break this, we have to break this power Uh, over the internet before we can even think about uh, proposing uh, bills in congress that's the in many ways that's the last thing that's going to happen the first thing that has to happen is consciousness of the type that we're raising here by having these discussions we have to frame the issue properly which is basically what andrew torba and elon musk and i am saying which is basically no group should have this type of power the whole point of government is to protect the citizens of the United States from this tyrannical uh, exercise of power by a small minority that has an agenda and a lot of money. This, The American experiment is at stake here. That's why it is so important. The government has to come out and say, we are the ones who are running the show we are running the show according to a plan that is called the rule of law and the constitution is part of that law and no one should be allowed to threaten people even if they are private actors especially private actors no private actor should be so powerful that it can usurp the role of government in this country that's what has to be uh become a common consciousness shared by large numbers of people. And I think this is the beginning of that. Once that consciousness gets articulated and once it's affirmed by a a consensus among the American people, then the politicians will act, but not before.
2: Understood, thank you.
0: You're welcome.
4: All
3: right, Uh, thanks for that. And we are going to go to the various chats. Uh, Cozy, Odyssey, Rumble, Telegram. We'll hit them all all right from cozy from a kappa mikey griper uh dr jones would you have keith woods as a guest on the show next week depending on the situation at twitter
0: sure i'd be happy to talk to keith woods he's oh, done no. a great job
3: i'll send him a dm then um let's see from telegram uh diaz F- 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 fiera uh, asks uh, is Dr. Jones familiar with uh, the Jew convert, Rory Schumann's "Salvation is from the Jews" thesis on the yes. Holocaust? If so, what are your comments?
0: Yes, uh, it. I I I dealt with this. Uh, we had review. Bobson Genesis did a review of the book. Uh, it was. Uh, bega- it began, you know, years ago. It was there was a guy by the name of uh, David Moss who created this group called the Association of Hebrew Catholics. Uh, and I remember I was, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, people in uh, New Hope, Kentucky. Mark Druggan and his wife, Eliza, were two Jewish converts. Uh, Father Kleiber was the chaplain down there. He was a Jewish convert to Catholicism. And I remember their discussions about, uh, they, they, you, can you be a Jew and a Catholic at the same time? don't you have to abandon, aren't they two competing identities? And they both said there shouldn't be uh, Hebrew Catholics. Uh, uh, And I was kind of, it was kind of peripheral, you know, because I was thinking about, I wasn't thinking about Jews at that point, I was thinking about something. They were thinking about Jews because they're both Jewish converts. And both of them rejected the idea of a Hebrew rite and rejected the idea of carrying some type of Jewish identity into the Catholic Church it was only later when i understood the implications of this because at that point after writing the jewish revolutionary spirit i defined jewish identity as rejection of logos and 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 rejection of christ as the logos incarnate well obviously you can't bring that into the church with you well what happened is that these people gained steam largely because of roy showman's book and suddenly there we had this new phenomenon of jewish identity within the catholic church well no it doesn't work it doesn't work uh, because the Jew is a rejector of Christ. Now I know you—you know—you grew up eating lox and bagels in, in Brooklyn, and I'm not—and you speak a certain way, and you got a big nose or something like that. And I'm—I'm I'm not disputing any of that type of stuff. when, when it comes to the important issues, it, you have to understand there's a radical difference between being a Jew and being a Catholic and this got muddied by people like Roy Shoman and the Association of Hebrew Catholics Rosalind Moss and so on and so forth so at this point um now I am interested in the Jewish uh, question because I'm in the middle of writing the Jewish revolutionary spirit and I call up Mark Drogan and I say can you invite me I'd like to speak at your conference your upcoming conference and he said no kind of hemmed and hawed for a little bit and he said no we only want Jews to speak I'm stunned. What, what, what did you just say? You want Jews to speak? What, Mark, you're not a Jew anymore. You're a Catholic. The minute the Jews won't accept you as a Jew anymore, the minute you got baptized, you stopped being a Jew. So obviously there's some type of sea change that's taken place, even with a guy who before rejected the idea. So that's, that's the legacy of, uh, of Roy shoman's book. And now you have people like, uh, Uh, Dawn Goldstein, uh, basically, you know, I've said this before, but the water of baptism is hardly dry on her forehead, and she's denouncing people like me as anti-Semites, okay, Uh, and then denouncing G.K. Chesterton as an anti-Semite. Well, where's it going to stop, Dawn? This is not Catholic behavior. Are you one of us or not? If you're one of us, then don't denounce us according to Jewish categories that you should have abandoned at the door of the church when you entered it. This is not Christian charity. It's that simple. And the, and the Jews who are now condemning fellow Catholics, Uh, as anti-Semites need to go to confession and talk to the priest about what charity is and how people have a right to their good names. And you can't just throw these slurs around and think that you're uh, a good Catholic. It came out in the whole attack on Patrick Coffin when they went after me and thugs like Mark Shea tried to uh, lean into people like Janet Smith. It's got to stop. That's not Christian charity. All
3: right. Uh, next question is from SS Tiger SS. Uh, Dr. Jones, should we use the terms Holocaust and Nazi? Uh, are they not propaganda words?
0: Okay. Holocaust is a word that got used to hijack the entire story of what happened in concentration camps. This is the story I bring out in the Holocaust narrative. Okay. I've said before, the story before this, the paradigmatic camp, was Dachau. And Dachau was a story of Catholics being persecuted by Nazis. That story has disappeared. It was replaced by the Holocaust narrative, which was created by um, Francois Mauriac, who translated uh, Elie Wiesel's Yiddish memoir, Und die Welt hat geschwiegen into elegant French and that swept the world. Why do we say the word Holocaust? Because Elie Wiesel in that book said that when he arrived at Auschwitz, there were flames, flames, and there were flaming pits. And they watched German soldiers throw babies into the flaming pits. That's what Holocaust means. It means burnt whole. That's what it is. That's the Greek word. Well, We know now that that didn't happen. And we know now basically that Elie Wiesel is a Holocaust denier because he's saying that there were no gas chambers at Auschwitz. Anyway, that's the whole story. If you have to know what you're getting involved in when you start to use the word Holocaust, and that's some indication of it.
3: From uh, Sandman 4224, Dr. Jones. Will there be be signed copies of Holocaust narrative
0: available? Yes.
3: And how do they go about doing that?
0: Just tell me you want a signed copy when you place the order.
3: There you are. Um, From Tyre Nichols, Dr. Jones, uh, someone asked, oh, wait, hold on. They're asking the same thing. Where is it? Ah, here's one Uh, from Gail. Dr. Jones, what is your favorite Irish myth or legend?
0: Why do people ask me questions like this?
3: I think, I think um, they got, we got this before and you said, ask me later. I actually want
0: the wanderings of Oisin there great go. poem by William Butler Yeats. Here okay,
3: here we are uh, from uh, a user on cozy, uh, Dr. Jones, America is a Irish and German nation, not Hispanic. Why is it just for Mexicans to take what's ours?
0: First of all, whoever said it was an Irish and a German nation, I never, I never felt that I, I, I growing up as a half Irish and half German. I, I always thought I was a Catholic and I went to a Catholic school. And if you're talking about uh, what Catholics I had to go, I went to the prep school. So I was kind of like in an elite Catholic school and it was in a neighborhood where you, there were other elite schools that were WASP schools. And that was uh, Chestnut Hill Academy or to give uh, something else pen charter. And it turns out that Colonel McGregor and I went to high school together uh, around the same time. And he went to Penn charter and I went to LaSalle college high school Uh, at the same time that Benjamin Netanyahu was going to Cheltenham high school. So we were all within about a three mile radius of each other going to high school at that time. And believe me, I didn't think of myself as Irish and German. I thought of myself as Catholic. There were Catholics, there were Protestants, and there were Jews. And the Protestants were kind of shrinking and the Jews were growing and the Catholics were growing too in a different way and it came to a kind of conflict. That's that's the way I understand it. And Mexicans uh, are in the same situation. Uh, They're primarily Catholic. In Mexico, it was Mexico was a creation of the Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Guadalupe. When they come here, they will assimilate very quickly because there are catholic churches all over the place and within three generations uh they will be catholics and they will probably be intermarried with other uh, groups like my mexican daughter-in-law marrying my my son my second son there's going to be a seamless transition the only bump in the road is going to be all these mexicans who want to uh, become Americans by becoming Protestants and joining these prosperity gospels in places like California. But there's going to be a seamless transition. I don't see any, it's going to be different. I'm not denying that it's different. All right. If you want a historical anal- uh, analogy between what Mexico, Mexican immigration is going to be like, it's going to be like the Goths and the Roman Empire because all the Goths had to do to get into the Roman Empire was cross the Danube River and all the Mexicans have to do is cross the Rio Grande. Obviously, most of those people down there, they're not Mexicans. They're coming from God knows where. It's been weaponized. It's an awful situation. Uh, But I'm saying if you're just talking about Mexicans coming to the United States, I don't see any problems in terms of assimilation. None.
3: Uh, right, uh, it's it's about six o'clock. Wanna do one more, Doc? Yeah. All right, from a user um, on Cozy, uh, Doctor Jones. What's the connection between the Kaiser Mafia and the Jesuits' collab to infiltrate the Catholic Church? The what? The uh, chi- Khazar Mafia?
0: Oh, Khazar. 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 The Khazars. What's the difference between the Khazar Mafia and the Jesuits? The connections. Yes. The connection? Or, yeah. If you're talking about what's the connection between the Jews and the Jesuits, there is a significant connection. Okay. Uh, The Jesuits get money from George Soros. The Jesuits are the cheerleaders um, uh, for the American Empire. The Jesuits have the ear of the Pope. The Jesuits are completely on board with the American Empire's promotion of sodomy sodomy is a jewish project all of sexual liberation is a jewish project and including the homosexual uh agenda and that was promoted and created by jews so in a sense if you're talking about the jesuit relationship to things like uh jewish projects like promoting homosexuality they're loyal servants of the if you want to call them the Khazar Mafia, they're loyal servants of the American empire, which is now controlled by the Biden's minion, uh, which means you know the 451 Jews in the, uh, controlling the White House now. I think that's the relationship. So somebody like James Martin will show, somebody whispered in the Pope's ear to, hey, go to Uganda and tell them to decriminalize homosexuality. Oh, that's a great idea. He goes there blows up in his face, and then as soon as he leaves, they they recriminalize it and make sodomy a capital crime in Uganda. So this shows you how out of touch the Jesuits are, even if they are junior partners of the, the, uh, the Jews who control the American empire. All right.
3: Well, there you are. Uh, for those who are joining us for the first time, this is EMJ Live. We're every Friday at 5 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if you don't know, we have Culture Wars Magazine. It's Dr. Jones Magazine. Uh, you can find that at culturewars.com. Please subscribe. We've got some great articles coming up. Uh, and then all the books can be bought at fidelitypress.org. Obviously, subscribe to all of our social media, Telegram, Cozy, Odyssey, Rumble, what have you. And some people are asking, Dr. Jo- do you have a specific date for the, the book coming out?
0: Yes. And that is? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be out soon. Okay. It's going to be out. I'm going to say it's going to be out before the end of this month. Okay. Now, everything is predicated on the, you know, the, the crick rising and everything else, but I'm saying you stay tuned here. As soon as we have copies in hand, we will let you know, and you can place the orders.
3: All right. Well, there you are. See you guys uh, next week. Have a good one. God bless.